Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness over all the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. From Isaiah 60, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's begin our worship our, uh, this morning, our opening hymn from um, O God, Our Help in Ages Past. I believe it's uh, first four verses. So if you could stand, that would be great, and exercise your limbs a little bit before the uh, service, okay? Please stand. Please be seated. We welcome each of you to our worship this morning. We trust you will be blessed during this hour as you prepare for service and reflection during this coming week. Um, I noticed all the doors were open and now Norland sees fit to shut them, but um, hopefully they'll be open again before uh, the humidity sets in. So anyway, welcome to our service this morning. We welcome our executive pastor, Darwin Glassford, to our pulpit today. We look forward to his message of assurance this morning. Singing through masks, I have a friend who has a loud singing voice, often off-key, and usually at least a beat faster than the organ. But he always says that he sounds to God like Pavarotti. So by humming, by meditating on the words that you see, rings true to God. On the screen, you'll see the words of the Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer number one. And so we'll... Speak that in unison. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul 
in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Our hymn is Jesus Calls Us Over the Tumult, or the Tumult. Please rise while we sing. For the uh, past several weeks, our pastors have been focusing on uh, uh, messages from the Psalms. I found in this past week a a paraphrase from Psalm 104 before our congregational prayer that I would like to uh, share with you. It goes like this. O Lord, how great and all-powerful you are. And how beautiful is the world you created for our habitation. Even before humans were brought forth from the dust, you prepared for them a place in which to live and grow. And everything man saw about him reflected the beauty and power of the living God. There was clean air. Pure water from the snow-capped mountains flowed together to become magnificent streams and lakes. The skies shone with millions of lights. The land brought forth flowers and fruits to delight the eye and palate of God's creatures. In every part of the land and the waters that covered the land and the skies that looked down upon the land were filled with uncountable forms of life, and the world was vibrant and alive. Your power and your beauty, O Lord, were spread throughout the universe, but it was only upon the hearts of men and women that you imprinted your image. And these creatures, in their short stay upon this world, were destined to become your children and co-workers in the ever-continuing process of creation. Let's come to God in prayer. 
Our merciful and gracious Heavenly Father, be glorified in creation and be glorified in your church through our worship this morning. Though we are so small and you are so grand, help us nevertheless to magnify your most holy name. Help us to make your name and the nature of your grace larger and easier for people to see. Help us to live and to worship in such a way that we become like magnifying glasses through which our neighbors and co-workers and children and friends can see you come into focus in ways they may not have seen before. When people ask for an explanation of the hope we have, give us the words to answer thoughtfully and well. When people wonder out loud who Jesus is and why he matters, help us respond in words and deeds that echo the sweetness of your gospel. Help us to magnify your name, O God, so that you may be glorified in all the earth. Our merciful and gracious God, in this hour of worship, lift us out of the routine of our daily lives and set us up on your holy mountain. Let our worship come from our hearts. Let it be genuine genuine and humble. Let our praises for you leap forth from our mouths that we may be alive with faith and joy. Lord God, we have come to worship you as sinners in need of forgiveness. We come tired from our work and play, in need of spiritual refreshment and recreation. We come with worries in need of your guidance. But first, lift us up out of our preoccupation with our own needs and wants. Help us to see you through the eyes of faith and to hear with the ears of understanding what you say to us. Make us thankful for the good we receive from your fatherly hand and awaken in us a longing to do what is right. Make us aware of the great company of believers, past, present, and yet to come, with whom we join to worship you today. We pray this day for our country. Every day we see violence and abuse and infidelity and racism. Help us as your children to be a positive influence for justice in a broken world. Sometimes it feels good to confess our national and social sins, but place on our hearts the desire to be called to action in your name. To that end, let us examine our lives this coming week. Help us take seriously our responsibility to you, O God, and our desire to be purged of our own unworthiness and be found worthy in your sight through the atoning sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Bless us now as we gather around your word with Pastor Darwin as he brings your message of hope and comfort. Give us receptive hearts to follow your will and live our lives in accordance with your word. We pray these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray these words. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Good morning. It's really good to be with all of you that are here this morning and for those of you that are far off. I just received a note that we do actually have someone watching the live stream in Hawaii. So um, our reach is extended, if it is at least to my wife. <laughs> so it's good to be with you this morning. Our passage this morning is coming from Psalm chapter 70. Um, psalm 70 is a, is a wonderful psalm, and let us listen attentively um, to God's word this morning. Hasten, O God, to save me. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. May those who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, turn back because of their shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. Psalm 70. Let's do it one more time. Let's make sure it sticks really well. Psalm 70, beginning verse 1. Hasten, O God, to save me. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. May those who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, turn back because of their shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. Come quickly to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. Lord, do not delay. Let us pray. Gracious Father, open our hearts to your word this morning. Open our hearts to hear what you have to say to us. May through the preaching of your word, may we be encouraged, may we be strengthened, and may we be challenged to be more faithful disciples of Jesus. In Christ's name, amen. Again, it's really good to be with you this morning. And our passage this morning from Psalm 70 is actually taken from Psalm 40, verses 13 through 17. And it appears that David and the psalmist extracted this um, passage from Psalm 40 for use in prayer. Psalm 70 is urgent and it's intense. It's an urgent and intense prayer. And the urgency is actually intriguing to me because it reflects an internal tension that David is experiencing. And this tension is between what David wholeheartedly believes to be true and what his circumstances are communicating. The tension he writes about is real, and it's a tension every one of us can identify with in some way. It's a tension that a parent feels when their grown child is making unhealthy decisions, and they're wrestling with how to constructively engage them. It's that tension that one feels as they sit in a doctor's office, and as a doctor explains the diagnosis, your worst fears come rushing forward. It's that tension you feel in those moments when what you know, when you wholeheartedly believe something to be true and everything around you is screaming, it's false. It's that tension that happens when those things collide. And David in Psalm 70 is pleading for the Lord's intervention because the situation is not good. 
His plea for help expresses what David wholeheartedly believes to be true. He believes that God can rescue him. But David's plea, plea here is a sign of strength because it takes a strong person to recognize that a situation is beyond one's capacity to navigate. He writes, hasten, O God, to save me. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. The pace, the urgency, is that cry of a child who has cut his hand really badly and yells, Mom, come quickly. There's an urgency here. There's, there's an urgency, and this urgency is that there is a group of people that want to take David's life. They want to ruin his reputation. They want to disgrace him. They want to do him in. But the fun thing is, the psalm doesn't say why. But these attacks on David are intensely personal. They see him as the problem, and they want him to see himself as the problem. He describes the attacks in this way. May those who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, Ah, turn back because of their shame. Again, we don't know why they desire David's ruin. We don't know why they want to take David's life. But they see David as the problem. And the tension between what David wholeheartedly believes and what his circumstances are communicating are colliding. He's trying to make sense out of it. They desire this group desires the worst for David. I want you to think with me for just a moment about an interesting development in our culture that desires often the worst for people. One of the most intriguing developments of lifetime, in, at least for me, in culture has been the rise of what I would is often described as the cancel culture. Cancel culture, I'm going to give you the fun definition and I'll explain it. The cancel culture is a form of boycott in which someone who has performed an act that is considered a violation of today's social justice norms, even those acts occurred very long ago, is thrust out of social or professional circles, either online, on social media, or in the real world, or both. The cancel culture says, an example of the cancel culture would be simply this. In the recent social turmoil, we saw the toppling of statues and memorials. Now, those individuals that were memorialized in those statues um, were memorialized because of contributions they made to society and culture. They weren't perfect individuals. They made stakes, mistakes. They may not have held views that we would consider acceptable today. But in a cancel culture, it doesn't matter if you have done good. It doesn't matter if you've done something to benefit society. If you violate the social norm, everything that you have done is tainted by that. And you deserve to be canceled. Not to be considered worthy anymore. You are to be marginalized and you are to be pushed off to the side. You have nothing more to contribute. Because the cancel culture labels and it marginalizes. It says, 
It cuts off discussion. It cuts off debate because this is the standard. And what's interesting to me is in the fringes of this movement, the church is the problem. The church needs to be marginalized. The church of Christ needs to be canceled. They desire, much like those who desire David's downfall, they desire to figure out how to bring the downfall of the church. It needs to be canceled. So the tensions that David feels in his own life, the tensions that every one of us have felt in our personal lives to some degree, are also tensions that we're beginning to feel in the society and culture. The weight of those tensions is beginning to be to develop. And even though the pressures are very real, we may not feel the full weight, but the time is coming when we will. It's interesting, in the midst of this, though, those that want David's downfall, those who want to take his life, is David's response. David's response is incredibly intriguing, intriguing because he says this. He asks God to turn back those who wish to ruin, ruin him, who wish to shame him. In Psalm 70, what we don't find is David calling down judgment on these people, but he asks God to shame them, and that is a prayer of grace. David responds in grace. David prays, God, allow them to see themselves for who they are. Allow them to see themselves for who they truly are and grasp that they are as need of God and need of my God, of David's God. Lord, the Yahweh. So in the midst of this tension, in the midst of this struggle, David prays, may they see themselves for who they are in the eyes of God. And yet David's prayer is also rooted in the company of those who seek the Lord. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. Come quickly to me, O God. You are my help and deliverer. Reflect with me for a moment on this phrase. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. The Israelites were a called out people, summoned from Egypt by the Lord. The Lord, in the creation of the nation of Israel, sought to form them into a people who loved him, and because they loved him, lovingly obeyed him. And in so doing, they would be a light to the Gentiles. The Israelites struggled with this from early on. And what they struggled with was that they wanted to love the law more than the lawgiver. They wanted to love the law more than the lawgiver. And whenever you love something, you seek to protect it. And so they took the law and they added other rules and laws to it to protect it. And the very thing of loving God that was to give them freedom, in essence, ultimately ended up enslaving them because they loved the law more than the lawgiver. 
David, like Abraham before him, who believed God and was credited to him as righteousness, and others loved the Lord with all their heart, soul, and mind. He walked by faith, dependent on God's grace. The Lord is his helper and deliverer. The church of Jesus Christ is also a called out people. It's an alternative community rooted in the gift of God's Son and God's grace. It's an alternative community where we are learning to love the Lord our God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our might in spite of the tensions that exist. It's a community that seeks to navigate the tension between the needs of individuals and the needs of the community. And perhaps more than anything else in recent history, this tension between navigating the needs of the individual and navigating the needs of the community has been borne out in the last six months since COVID-19 hit. Paul instructs the Philippian church in this way in light of this tension that they're facing. If you have any comfort, any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vacancy, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. You see, the challenge is, is that the desire should be that everyone, as individuals, as a community as a whole, are being formed into the image of Christ. And this gets tough. Because even in the midst of COVID-19, it means that we are committed out of Christ's love to care for the most vulnerable. And you see the tension. Now, COVID-19 has been a a time frame where people have, um, I've decided that you can't make a decision without someone objecting. Okay, you just can't. But if you think about something as simple as, or something that we would take for granted as singing and worship, how do we balance the needs of the individual and the needs of the community? When we, as a community, have people who are healthy and we have people who are incredibly vulnerable. And so the challenge that we face as a church and the challenge I think that David helps us to understand is that we're part of this larger community and we have to navigate this tension in a healthy way that demonstrates our commitment to Christ and our commitment to one another to care and love each other. So we have to, David's prayer then reminds us that we are ultimately dependent on God. There is no political solution, believe me, to some of this. We're an alternative community called to model a different way of being in the world and inviting others to join us. 
And this coming fall, we're going to wrestle a lot with what it means to be that alternative community as we work through the book of Daniel together. But listen to David's words as he concludes. Lord, you are my help and deliverer. Lord, you are my help and deliverer. And so ultimately, as David has prayed here, in the midst of the tensions that we navigate, our deliverer and help come from God. Our strength and our hope is in the Lord. And so as a community, we look to him in prayer, and even in the midst of the crazy situation in which we find ourselves, may we experience the true peace and the true commitment that can only be found in Christ our Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this Psalm of David. We thank you for the way that he navigates what he wholeheartedly believes to be true in the reality of his circumstances. In this situation, Lord, it would be easy for us, as it would have been for him, to be crushed by the circumstances. But Lord, we know that our hope and confidence is ultimately in you. And in you, may we find our peace and our comfort and our rest. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our concluding hymn, which we'll stand together, is Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise. As we go forth from this place in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, to love and serve others, may God go before you to lead you. May God go beside you to befriend you. May God go beneath you to support you. 
And may God go behind you to protect you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll forgive me for the mistake I made last week by ushering you out, this time we have to go out that door. Okay? So after the doxology, I'll dismiss you row by row. And if you would please exit that door, you can exit on these aisles or the middle aisle. Go through that door, single file, if you would. Thank you.